That's improv, bitch. Improv, bitch. I mean, after all, you're nerds. Improv. Nerds. Improv. Nerds. Improv. Nerds. This is Improv Nerd, and I'm Jimmy Corain, and I'm not sure what episode we're on, so between us, let's just call this the Tim Meadows episode. Tim was on uh, SNL for 10 seasons. That's the second longest run on the show, uh, second only to Daryl Hammond. Uh, You've seen him in movies like Mean Girl and Walk Hard and Ladies Man, and we actually go back a long time. Tim came up in the 90s at I.O., and we actually met at the Second City Training Center. Hi, Tim. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good. My chair's moving all right. Well, it's got rollers on it. Rob put rollers on it a couple weeks ago. So when we do the improv part, we can just roll right back. out on the street. Right <laughs> on the street, yeah. Yes, we do. Nice. Hi, everybody. Hi. You're such a polite clapping one. Yeah, time. yeah. I'm, it was kind of, I felt like I was walking into a college room or something like a classroom, I guess they call it. <laughs> have you done that? Have you, go, have you gone to classrooms and talked? Um, I've not talked in classrooms. I've okay. Done, um, I've done shows. Like, I, when I first started, like, we, we played at my school in Detroit, which is Wayne State University. Uh-huh. But we played, like, at the Student Activity Center. And it was in the basement of the Student Activity Center. So people, like, were up on balconies watching us as we were performing improv. Uh-huh. And they started throwing pennies at us. <laughs> Uh, it was, yeah. That was the only time I performed. That was the first performance at the right, school. Right, right. Remember we performed that gig at Phyllis's Musical Inn? Do you remember that? <laughs> I remember that name, yes. Yeah, Phyllis's Musical Inn. Well, long... yes, I do. Mark Belsman was Mark on Mark Belsman, who yeah. was uh, from Detroit, with, uh, came and was our first coach. Yeah. And it was at the back of a Phyllis's Musical Inn, which is in Wicker Park. It was a bad... Was like, didn't we do it like 3.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday? Before? It was probably something like that. Yeah. I don't. Did we do? We did sketches, or we just did improv uh, games. We had a couple sketches, and we then did some short form improv games. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I can't remember one sketch. So they, they must not have been that great. <laughs> um, you came from Detroit originally. Yes. And uh, your mother we lost to the Bears today. So. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah, good. It's good. I'm appreciating you do the show because you said you said you weren't going to do the show unless Mr. Bears <laughs> lost. lost. Yeah. Um, so your mother was a nurse assistant and your dad was a janitor. Yeah. How did you develop your sense of humor when you were a kid? Wow. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, boy, I was the youngest person. Okay. Of how many kids? Of six. Okay. So there was less, you know, um, pressure on me to be anything mm-hmm. or to like, you know, sort of like aspire to please anybody okay. <laughs> so I basically had like a lot of free time as a kid and I always now that I'm older I think back and I w- wonder like maybe my brothers and sisters didn't really like me that much Okay. <laughs> because I had six, you know it was five of them but uh-huh. I still had a lot of time by myself okay. you know um, you and, seem and to go on well I specifically remember my brother Rodney who's two, four years older than me telling me to not follow him around. <laughs> like he go, he went, don't follow me. You stay home. I'm going to play with my friends. I, I don't want you coming. And so I, yeah, so I think I spent a lot of time and I think that was how I sort of developed an imagination and, you know, um, my sense of humor and, and I don't know, I think I just like sort of 
you know, was always attracted to comedy, uh -huh. um, watching television, and uh, who, who was your like influences when you were watching comedy when you were younger? Uh, well, I guess I don't know. Like this is dating me, I guess. But like that's okay because <laughs> we're. I mean, we're. I'm not dating anybody, right? So, uh, <laughs> no, but this is no. I mean, um, I guess like you know, Bill Cosby was uh -huh. like the first comic that I saw that I was like, wow, that guy is like my uncle, mm -hmm. you know, like I could relate to what he was, the way he performed and what he was doing, and Richard Pryor, um, comics like that, but I also liked, you know, uh, Robert Klein when I was younger, and I liked Bob Newhart, mm -hmm. I was huge, I love Bob Newhart, and then I started getting into other things as I got older, like National Lampoon and, you know, SNL and shit like that. And then you did improv in Detroit. What was it? The Detroit Detroit Times Theater Company. Okay. And then you come to Chicago, mm -hmm. and then you start studying with Dell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and, uh -huh. and how was that? What did you get from Dell? Because I mean, we all got different things from Dell. Uh, one thing. Well, I learned to never perform as a kid on stage. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the first. Did he intimidate you? He did. Yeah. I mean. It, um, only because I never, you know, I came from Detroit, and not to offend anybody, but like I grew up in like the inner city, so I didn't. We had it, our school was mixed; it was like mainly Polish and black, uh -huh. you know, African American. Right. Okay, um, thank you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean black as in some other. That's kind okay, of black. Tim. African American, not Haitian. Okay. <laughs> um. But, uh, you know, so, so, but it was still a very segregated sort mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, community and everything. So when I came here, it was really the first time that, like, I, you know, I had, like, this exposure to white people uh -huh. in a, where it was no garb. Like, you know, I didn't have friends that were judging me because they were in Detroit. Uh -huh. And so to see a guy like Dell, like, was insane to me. I was like, this guy, this dude is, like... Um, I thought he was really smart, and he like had this like uh, really great perception, you know, of of things, and his stories were great, and he just seemed like he had a great eye when people were doing scenes and everything to tell him that, you know, what was good and what was bad, and what he was trying to develop and everything, and that's why I was saying like I learned never to perform as never to be a kid on stage, because one time we were in a class and. He stops the performer on stage. He was and always so kind, wasn't yeah. he, with his people? Yeah, and he just said, uh, listen, I, I despise children. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever want to see that on this stage. Uh, and I thought that was a really... I, I, was, I admired that because I never liked seeing adults play kids. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, I always thought it was like really hacky and really, you know, it was like an eat, you know, whatever. It was, it was, a, it was a personal, you know, um, artistic choice that I agree with Dell. I don't, you know, I didn't like it either. You know, there is like you have like a certain style, and and, and I would say an integrity in your work, you mm. know. And you're a very, you know, when you were at Second City, and, and even I remember going all the way back to Improv Olympic when you were on Grime and Punishment, it was Mick Napier and, and Dave Rosowski and Richard Label mm -hmm. and Madeline Long. You were so supportive of, of a player, and I think it's, it served you really well even on Saturday Night Live. Was that something you picked up here, you know, or was it something you got from your family? 
<laughs> I was going to say, I think it came from my family. I think, Are you serious? In what so. way? In that I didn't, like I was saying, I didn't have to like really, you know, prove anything. or do, I mean, it was pretty easy being the youngest. And so I, I, maybe I, I did just sort of was able to learn how to like make everybody happy and like sort of serve what was going on. Because I didn't really cause a lot of trouble. I sort of... I wasn't, but I wasn't also, I wasn't like one of those kids that, I feel like I'm leaving you guys out over here. I wasn't one of those funny kids <laughs> that um, felt like, I, that performed for my family and stuff. Like, my family was surprised when I got to Second City, they had, they had no idea that I was any good at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were like, what, first of all, what the fuck is Second City? <laughs> <laughs> and then why are you working there as, you know, anything other than a bartender or something like that? <laughs> Uh, where was I? I'm sorry. What were we talking about? We were talking about the, you are a supportive player yes. on stage. So yeah, maybe that does. It maybe comes from being the youngest of six. I don't know, but I think like people that I, I've always admired those kind of performers that had subtle, subtle movement, you know, mm-hmm. like or subtle, you know, uh, style like Bob Newhart. Like I said, um, to me that was always surprising that somebody could be quiet and be very funny or, or, or that the audience had to the audience sort of experience the laugh slowly mm-hmm. that always um, always dug that I mean, I mean I dig big laughs too I mean I like Jim Carrey and you know I don't know who else Jerry Lewis Jerry Lewis actually was I was a huge fan of when I was a little kid okay I loved the fact that he used to wear white socks with a suit uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and yeah he used to, I, that's another person I, I thought was hysterical Jerry Lewis Jerry Lewis yeah. um, so you're at Second City you're doing the main stage how does Lauren Michaels find you to get cast uh, on Saturday Night Live uh he came to they came out to see the shows that we were doing uh huh um, like over a year. Are you guys okay? Are you bored? Because I'm bored. <laughs> I've heard all of these stories. Is it hard? Because is it because you got to, you feel like you're telling the story over and over again? No. Or I just, is it because they're not laughing? No, they're laughing. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just because I don't. I tend. I will tend to li- listen to myself and go. Why is anybody interested in what you're talking about? But there's a my, shyness. And just knowing you, there's a shyness to you. Wouldn't you say? You would have to say, but... Go I'm going to say that. There's a shyness. Like, even, like... We've known each other for a long time. We've known each other for a long time. But there's always, like, there was always kind of a, a shyness to you. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, um... I don't know, Jimmy. I wish I could tell you <laughs> why or what it is. Just No, I don't need a reason. It's just, you know... Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I have, I can put up, you know, boundaries and, and everything. And sometimes I feel, I don't know... I, you know, it's a self-esteem thing, too. Like, I don't feel worthy or I don't feel, you know, I don't really have self-confidence all the time or I don't feel like, you know, you know, I have doubt in myself just like everybody else, I guess. And so I tend to, I don't know, shut down for people sometimes. Tim, I, don't know. I can totally relate. <laughs> I just, I just haven't been able to get on TV for 10 seasons on Saturday Night Live. If I could... You would be great. Yes, I would be. How have you been able to turn that around? Like, you have this, the low self-esteem, and then you've got to go out and perform. Or you're, you're in a movie, or you're, you know, doing live TV. Um, it's just facing the fear, which mm-hmm. is another Dale right. kind of thing. It's like, well, you know, 
Yeah, like when I go, I perform like uh, on the road, like in co colleges and things, like old Uncle's Brother, mm -hmm. doing stand up and stuff. And 10 minutes, 20 minutes before the show, I'm always just like miserable. Mm -hmm. And I'll be, I'm like, why the fuck do I do this? <laughs> like, I love performing, but I hate 10 minutes before the show. And then I just go, all right, fuck, I gotta go do it. <laughs> so let me just go out there and do it. And I just dive into it. And if the material, you know, if I'm doing stand-up or whatever, and it's funny, and, and I know what I'm, you know, I, I enjoy it when laughs are coming and whatever. Um, but yeah, the moments before, man, I, I just, I always wish I like I was selling shoes at Payless. <laughs> like it's got to be much, it's so much less pressure opening a store in the morning, you know, and like turning the alarm off and like getting the cash register ready for the customers to come in. It's a lot less pressure than having, you know, 5,000 people in an audience waiting to see you fucking make them laugh. Here, here's how you're much healthier than I am. For you, it's only a half hour before the show that you don't want to perform. For me, it's the whole day. I just want to kill... Do you ever have, like, suicidal thoughts or I want to kill myself before you go on? Honestly, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe not suicidal as much as... Um, just it's just a, a deep hatred and like this is a mistake. Uh -huh. This is a mistake. Like these people paid money to see me, and I got nothing. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna do jokes that I've done. Like when I'm doing stand up, is always you know because you do material over and over. Right. But yeah, I'm like oh, I've done these jokes. There's gonna be people who've heard these before, and they're not gonna laugh. Uh -huh. They're gonna whisper to the person next to them, and then uh, the whole fucking the entertainment police is gonna come arrest me. How do you do with bad shows? Do you like? My, I honestly, I go to suicidal thoughts. When I have a bad show, I want to kill. Isn't that true, Lauren? Yeah. I want to wow. kill myself. You know. Yeah. Do, what do you? How do you do with a bad show? Um. Boy, I get angry. Okay. Um, it's yourself. Well, I, I like to blame the audience, or I like to play. That's the best thing about doing improv: is blaming the other people. I didn't agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's their fault. Yeah, they yeah. Enjoy it. It's easy to blame the audience because yeah. they're not there with right, you in your right, living room right. later. I don't blame. I just I don't blame anyone to their face, just so they know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you get angry. What do you? I get, yeah, I get angry. I mean, I you know, like there was a show one time that we did on the road, and we had been having issues about because uh, I, I what we this show is I would come out, I do stand up, talk to the audience, we come out, we improvise. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we, it's better for us to end the show, like to say goodnight, everybody, like on a good laugh, right. whatever. But I was dependent on this guy to take the lights out. Mm -hmm. And we explained to him, like, this is how, you know, after this amount of time, if you get a big laugh, take the lights out, right. and you can go, you know. And we got a big laugh, and I looked at my watch, and the lights didn't go out. And I was like, I wasn't on, I wasn't on the stage, like, Brad and Joe were performing, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to go out in the middle and say, yeah, you know, right. that's into the show. Right. And then he slowly cut the lights off. Okay. Like a real slow, <laughs> slow fade. And what, he wasn't going to give a bullet in the head. It was going to be like <laughs> yes. a couple yes. stabs with a plastic fork to kill you. Yes. And when I got backstage, I just fucking, I kicked a chair into the wall. Uh-huh. And those guys, Brad and Joe, had never seen me get angry. And I, I hadn't, you know, whatever. But um, I was pissed. And I was just pissed because people paid to s c come see it. Right. And I did my job. Right. You know? Right. I did my job. Right. You didn't do your job. Uh -huh. And so you ruined 
the the perception of the whole show. Mm-hmm. And when people go home, they're not going to go, you know, that lighting guy was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know? They're going right. to go, Tim Metal's show was weak at the end. Right. You know? Um, so, but yeah, I do. I get... Um, but, you know, knock on wood, and hopefully tonight won't be the long string of bad shows. But, you know, for the most part, it goes pretty well. I don't know. Now, you said to me before that getting a divorce got you back into improv. Because now you're improvising yeah. with Uncle Brother and stuff like that. Right. Uh, can you tell us about that? This show is brought to you by Captain Morgan. Yes. Oh, wow. And Crown Royal and Cuervo. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I had sort of like stopped you more. No, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. You sure? Yeah. All right. I'm fine, Tim. Thanks. Anybody want water? <laughs> Your parents are here? No, my sisters are here and my cousins are here. Oh, hi. Do you remember that time we I invited you for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. When what you were you thinking? Back. I remember you guys invited me for... Um, this is... Uh, yeah, you guys invited me. For, I was here in Chicago. My family was in Detroit. Uh-huh. And Jimmy uh, invited me over for Thanksgiving. And I said, no, I'm going to just stay home and... You know my apartment because my roommate had left. So, and then you, his, your family kept calling back every right. ten or fifteen minutes and going, "Come on, come right. over, please. We don't want you to be alone on Thanksgiving." And I was like, "No, I, I'm, I'm fine, and you know I'll be okay." And I felt really bad because I started to feel bad because it was a sincere, human, you know, right, you know, compassion for another human being, but I couldn't, I wasn't capable of accepting it. You know, I hadn't been in therapy either. Are you in therapy now? Um, I have been in therapy. Okay, because I'm in. I love therapy. (laughs) I love it. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I've learned a lot about myself. One thing you've learned about yourself that I that I put up borders between. I I I didn't always allow um, other. That's a perfect example. I I I would put up borders between me and people that cared about me Mm -hmm. because I didn't think that I deserved it or that. that it was real. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. I always thought, well, why? Why do? You, why would somebody like me? I'm not. Um, you know, I'm not like a spectacular person. I don't know. That's just. I, I can relate to all way. of this. Yeah, I can I mean, relate to <laughs> all of this. Yeah. Um, I mean, my my mantra in my head is, I'm a piece of shit. It goes on all the time. I'm a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. But you got to turn it off. Somewhere along the line, though. When I'm sleeping. <laughs> but sometimes I have a dream that I'm a, literally a piece of shit. Well, I, go, I went through that. Uh, but my therapist... Uh-huh. Do I like, know him? <laughs> it's Mark Beltzman. No, okay. You're in good hands. Uh, no, you don't know him. He's in L.A. Okay. Um, but there was times like where he would go to me. He would say... Um, and is wait is this conversation always like this? <laughs> the good ones, yeah. The good ones, um, yeah. Because you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm like exposing a lot. Okay. It's just an intimate setting. I feel like we could all be having dinner somewhere and still having this conversation. Yes. Why don't we do that? Okay. <laughs> After the show, we just all go to you know Ann Sather's. Sather, 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 and the Sather. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Your therapist. <laughs> yes. Um, Oh, you know, like I would get in that to that thing of like repeating like things over and over, right. uh, bad about myself or little uh-huh. self-esteem things, and then one session he ended it by telling me positive things about myself, mm-hmm. and and he go he goes, do you think that you was whatever he but then the thing that stuck with me was he said, do you think you would be still working this long as an actor if you weren't good? 
Mm-hmm. If you had no talent like you think you have, right? why would you be working so long? And that like sort of stuck with me like, oh, wow, yeah. I guess I am sort of okay right. <laughs> because I've been doing it for a long time and I don't go and like ask people for work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the, it, I mean, I, I have to audition sometimes or whatever, but like it just sort of, ha- you know, I've had a, a long career in a job that a lot of people don't have long careers in, you know. But that those kind of things, I've had to have, that was very helpful to, to me mm-hmm. for him to tell me, you know, to say that, like, you know, no, you, you're not a you're not a waste of space. You mm-hmm. actually have done well and people care about you and you, you know, you care about people and, you know, you're just learning about yourself. You know? I would need to go about 20 times for him to get that sink in. He does Skype, if you want. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> really good. Um, what was your favorite cast? Not favorite. What was the most fun cast or most fun year of Saturday Night Live? Um... Man, they all sort of like blend in together. I mean, like the first years when I first got there, I was very, I was just blown away because it was, there were people that I had been watching for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like working with people like Phil Hartman or Dana Carvey and Dennis Miller. I mean, it was like really like, you know, going going to school and just mm-hmm. sort of like seeing like, oh, this is how professionals work. Mm-hmm. You know, they write every day and they you know, are very focused and serious about their job. So, I mean, that cast was a lot of fun. And I think I really, near the end of my run, when it, it was like Will and uh, Molly Shannon and, um, you know, Norm MacDonald and that, that crew of people, I kind of felt like m- me personally, I had gained more confidence and I was writing a lot more. Um, and I just felt looser on camera. Like, I, I didn't feel like I was, like, uh, afraid to you know, joke around or have fun within the scene. Is there one show that you look back as like, that show I hit a home run, that, or, or that sketch was like, that was, I, I, that was the point where I felt like really comfortable, I've hit my stride, I'm really grooving. Uh, <laughs> um, boy. I don't know, I think, you know, somewhere around, after Tina Fey, Got to the show uh-huh. as a writer. As a writer, writing, yeah. I think like there was a series of like shows and sketches, and I kind of remember like Garth Brooks' show was like the beginning, where she like wrote me into these some sketches that I was really funny in, mm-hmm. and I think the best one was probably the Christopher Walken. Best mm-hmm. example is the Christopher Walken census sketch, mm-hmm. and it was. Lit- I mean, I didn't have to be. I was getting laughs by not by just being a straight man, right. which is I just loved it. And he got to be as crazy and you know. Is he on, was he on something? Every time I watch it, he seems like he's on something. Is he? I don't know. I did. He, did you ever smell like bourbon or something like that? No. He he smelled like garlic. Like he would carry <laughs> he, he carried garlic around in his uh, pocket. Um, and uh, but yeah, he smelled like garlic. <laughs> I love garlic too. Uh-huh. So like, There's no problem for me, but. Uh, during that sketch, though, like whenever I've seen it um, repeat or play it late at night at home by myself, um, <laughs> no. When I see it, though, I always laugh because uh, he never looked at me once in the whole sketch. He was always looking at the cue cards, so he would be going, "Hey, uh, yeah, let me get mom and I get the card for you." And he'd come, you know, go out and get it. But he would never, like, I'd be standing right here, but he'd always be looking right at the cue cards. 
And so, and that's because he's just a pro. But, you know, he knows, like, how, because he's, like, an old television dude. Mm-hmm. Too, so he knows how it works, which is, if you are reading cue cards, you can't, if you go back and forth between the actor and the card, then it looks like you're looking back and forth. Mm-hmm. But so, once, once you get, they call it getting glued on the cards, but once you get glued on the cards, you, you got to stay on it. But, so, yeah, when I look at it now, I laugh because I just go... I don't even... I think if he saw me, he wouldn't even know that I was, <laughs> that was in the fucking sketch. You know? Was there, you know, they've had so many, like, big hosts that have done the show and, and then musical guests. Was there anyone you were, like, really starstruck or excited to meet? Well, Bill Murray was huge uh-huh. for me, and he did a ladies' man sketch. Okay. But then he was hosting the show, so he couldn't... It was. Gonna, it ended up being bumped up to the cold opening, so mm-hmm. he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I had to do his part and my part, like we squished together. Um, but I have a picture from the dress rehearsal of me and him. Dress. He's dressed as a ladies' man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so that was huge. That was like a big deal. And I think. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, like watching Tina Turner perform, uh-huh. and like she had. She was probably, you know, I just imagine like in her early sixties. And was unbelievably sexy, mm-hmm. and just could dance and shake it, and I was like, "Man, my mother is her age." I think. <laughs> um, but that was great because I'd seen her as a kid growing up, and um, also Paul McCartney was another cool experience. Um, I used to write promos for the show, uh-huh. like those little five-second ads you see in between the, um, like during prime time, and like when you're new, that's part of your job as right. a writer. And so one week it was Paul McCartney and Alec Baldwin, and so I went. I wrote a bunch of promos, got the other promos from the writers, and I, I'd have to sit in the office with the host mm-hmm. and musical guest and read them and just go. So is this something you don't want to do? Let us know. We'll take it out. Mm-hmm. And you and so we'll tell them like pull out the, your favorites and just set them to the side so we know which ones you like. Mm-hmm. And so Paul McCartney handed me his um, the ones that he liked the most, and they were all mine. And I was like, holy shit. Paul McCartney, like, <laughs> it was I would have been like, cool. I'm still a piece of shit. I'm still a piece of shit. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> Are we, let's improvise. Okay. Okay. All right, uh, could we have a suggestion? Well, I heard. These are all bad suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> no dinner afterwards. Therapy. Therapy. Okay. With a lot, lot more, you know, relaxed. I'm in a relationship now. That's good. Yeah. You want to talk about it? No, I'd love to. Okay. Um, we had sex last night. <laughs> okay, good. This is a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, not, it's real. She's a real woman. I mean, this is not like an imaginary thing that you just like made up and. Just no. Okay. No. No. She was fine. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it get wild? Yeah. How'd you know? It always gets wild, doesn't it? 
Every time I've had sex. Yeah. <laughs> Bert, you never told me that you had sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have had sex since I was 16. You didn't know that, did you? No. Yeah. Yeah, I was underage. <laughs> That's a, it's illegal, isn't it? It's illegal. Yeah. 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 Mine was totally legal sex. <laughs> she wanted to. She wanted to do it in the butt, and I said, no way, that's a legal mistake. <laughs> Am I right? Um, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I check the statutes yeah. on that. I check the statutes, because I don't want to get accused for rape. You didn't rape her, did you? <laughs> <laughs> sounds a little sketchy. Was this, how did you meet? Did you, was this a normal get-together, or did you hit her in the head with a brick? <laughs> I put it in a... Uh, uh, you know, cloth around it, and then I hit her in a brick so it wouldn't dent her head. Oh, no. That's what I learned in group last week. You said that that's, you said, what did you say? You said, you said, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta pull them by their hair like cavemen. That was metaphorically. Well, I didn't know that at the time. Not, not figuratively or literally. Well, I sketched it out. I had sketches. You had, you sketched I out. take notes when you talk in group. Because you're the wise one. Like, I don't, I'm in this group just like you. I'm trying to learn. <laughs> well, I'm learning off you. I, 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 turn, I turn the doctor off and I listen to you. I'm not good, okay? I'm for, I was forced for the, in these sessions by a judge. <laughs> you don't, don't trust me. I don't know anything. I've been divorced four times. <laughs> I have six kids in seven states. <laughs> don't, don't be like me. I want Mike. I want your life. You're cool. I know I'm cool. <laughs> but like, you know, there's a lot of pressure being cool. You can make a lot of mistakes. Your coolness... When you don't have control over it, people get hurt. And you would not be able to control it, okay? You can't even control your dick. <laughs> Go raping. Oh. It's date rape. It's different than regular rape. <laughs> date rape is not any better than night rape. <laughs> Listen, you got to report this to somebody. I'm telling you right now. You mean like an official person? Okay. I can't. You can't what? I just I won't be able to live with myself if, if we don't do the right thing. I've been making mistakes all my life, okay? Well, you're going to change now? I was counting on you not to make them, to continue to make mistakes. No. I'm turning you in. What? Got you. You do that for me? That's cool. <laughs> no, this is not good. I'm turning you in. I know. I think it's great. No one's ever turned me in. You know, I'm not talking about turning you on. I know what you're talking about. You want to go to jail? Yes. Are you crazy? No, I'm not. You are. All the cool people go to jail. Think about it. Name one cool person in jail. That's alive that didn't get the death sentence? Either. <laughs> Bernie Madoff. <laughs> Not cool. Martha Stewart. <laughs> She's pretty cool.
right, this is, this is this bill that I got. It's just this huge. I can't afford to pay this. I don't care if you fix my heart or not. I'd rather have a heart attack and die. I'm not paying this bill. So fuck you. Oh, all right. And I came to your office just to tell you that. Okay, well, sit down. I, 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 I'm... I only have a few minutes. I only have a few minutes. <laughs> All right, then we only have a few minutes. Then. Okay. Is that understood? Yeah, just don't do anything with those hands, okay? Just be cool. I know how you doctors are. Fucking karate and scaffold and Chinese stars and shit. My hands are right here, okay? All right. All right? Okay? Now, you have a very serious condition, okay? Yeah. All right? Okay. Let don't you go for my heart. I don't have any diagrams in the office okay. right now. Okay. Uh-huh. So I'm just I want to show you where your heart is. Okay. I know where my heart is. It's right in. Okay, great, fine. There you, to the left a little bit. Okay. No, no, no. You're not touching it. I'm keeping this. All right. I'm not paying the bill. That's the that's the problem, okay? Okay, fine. Don't pay the bill. Okay. But as a medical profession, I gotta tell you right now that if you walk out of this office, you have four days at the most for living. Four days. Four days. And I didn't just pull that out of my ass. All right, Mr. Professional. Doctor. If I if I make it to day five, I'll pay your bill. Okay? Okay. If I die, I don't have to pay it. (laughs) Hello? Uh, Doc, it's me. Uh... Hi. It's me, the guy with the heart? Yes. It's late. I know. I was, I was up all night. This is day four. I thought I was gonna be dead, but I'm not. I was doing a bunch of blow, <laughs> and I just walked over here, my apartment. Come, come on in. Thanks, Doc. I don't know what to do. I was, guess I was trying to kill myself because I didn't want to pay your bill. <laughs> the logic is all fucked up now. That's, that's common. What? Don't no, even try okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. I just I need a seat. Uh, uh, that's, take that seat. Wow, what a nice crib you got. Yeah. Wow, you doctors make a lot of good money, huh? Yeah, I, I do quite well. I'd like to be a doctor. Well, if you live, you'll have a chance to be a doctor. I'm not going to live, doctor. Well, not unless you have this operation. Another operation? Yes. But I've been doing blow. Well, that's good because that gets get your system loose. Uh, we, we, and also, insurance will cover it. Where'd you go to school? School? I, I, I didn't go to school. I mean, officially at school, Panama. For a couple of semesters, I took biology. Mm. And then I got my degree uh, off the internet. Off the internet? Yeah. Huh. I don't know if I really want to go through with this anymore, Doc. Um, 
Because you can also, you can like perform marriages too with that. Yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go back out and party some more. <laughs> I guess you really need me to die, right? Yeah. I mean, you need me to pay that bill more than I, anything. Well, if, if you die, then I, I could, I, I took a life insurance policy up on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were dumb because of the internet no, diploma. No, that's just a fraud. That's just a, that's just a fraud. I'm a total fraud. Good <laughs> <laughs> oh. morning, huh? I'm sorry? Good morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is good don't morning. You love, don't you just love the air? On a morning like this? Oh, the air is great. Yeah. I love breathing in good air. I do too. <laughs> I love nature so much. I just, I, I love nature, yeah. you know? I do too. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so are we going to skinny dip or what? Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to skinny dip. I don't know. You've been talking about this all week. and Yes, you know, yes, yes. It's just like when we were kids. You know, we'll just jump in the old pond and look at the, look at the tires are still there. We'll, yeah. I'll swing you in the tire naked. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you should just start taking off our clothes, I guess? Yeah, sure. We'll take off our clothes. That's a great idea. I'm going to start up from top. Yeah. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with my buttons right here. All right. I'm going to loosen this tie a little bit. Okay. I'm going to take every button down like this. I'm going to put my shirt... On this uh, tree bush right here. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a nice move. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Off with the T-shirt. <laughs> uh, I'm going to lay it over here in the sun. <laughs> Smart. It'll be warm when you get out of yeah. here. Yeah. I'm going to take the old flip-flops off. All right. Okay, take them off. Ah, oh, it feels so good just yeah. to walk in the grass. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to take off the work boots. Yeah. I don't even know why. Kel, you wore those work boots up here. Uh, I was working on the construction site. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I'm going yeah. to take, uh, take the pants off. Okay. I'm going to lay them right here. All right. So when I get out of the water, I'll grab the pants, put the pants back on, and uh, put the flip-flops back on. All right. I guess I'll take off my pants. Yeah. <laughs> Wanna do that, Phil? Yeah. Another polite round of applause. Yes. <laughs> How did you feel doing that? Um, I felt um, I felt good in the beginning. Um, we had a little rough part. I think our logic and the one-hearted. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was lost. trying to do. I got an, lost. In I it. got lost too. Uh, you know, what do you do when you're lost? Sometimes I try to backtrack a little bit and try to find out where the logic is. Uh-huh. Like, can can you know? It's like, can we make, can we turn this thing around and make it anything? Right. You know, and like if there was another person in our group, right. then maybe somebody would have tagged us out and then kept those, kept 
found something to to take one of the characters to. Right. So that's like you know one thing that would have you know maybe helped it. Um, and and the thing is too, like we haven't improvised together in a long time, right. so we're just doing this. But like if we were doing it more, then we would know. Okay, if we get into a thing, then we got to somehow get out. We got to get move on and get out of it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but that it's you know it's uncomfortable. Because everybody feels it, right? But like, I think when like when improv audiences, they sort of want you to to find out are you going to be able to get across, you know, get back on that wire and keep walking across. Because right. like, literally, like we're go- everybody's going like this, and the audience is going, are they going to fall and like go backstage and blow their brains out, <laughs> <laughs> or are they going to get us across this safely? Right. And, and um, you know, the good thing is that you know we, I don't know, whatever we know how to get back on and mm-hmm. whatever. I felt really good about the first one. I thought I had a strong character, and you're 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 really great at taking on the straight man role. I mean, you you you. I mean, you can play both the straight man role, and you can also play the you know the character. Um, so I felt really good about that. And then the second one, I was gonna I edited the first beat, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't clear enough. And then then uh, I, I got confused. Well, I got you know when you were the do- when I was the doctor. Doctor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in my head, I'm like, okay, let's move we'll on. Got something else. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to. I kind of felt like we told the audience, you know, for you know, we we gave them ex- expectation, or I did, mm-hmm. that something's going to happen in four or five days. Right. And so I don't unless we were going to do some kind of time dash where we do a scene and then come back to that scene, mm-hmm. and it'll be six days later, and you're at the. You know, the we're both watching my body be lowered into the ground, right? Or I'm at your office because I won, and I'm taking out taking out your, you know, flat screen television right. or something. Um, you know, those are those are just the choices that you know some choices that could have been made to uh-huh. to um, you know bring it around or whatever. And then the third, the last scene, I thought it was really simple, and I probably I would have liked to brought more of a character or point of view to it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's two guys. Basically, uh, nervous about skinny dipping. Yeah, but I, you know, that's what you would have wanted to bring. Is to yeah, make yeah. more of a character. Yeah, choice. yeah, yeah. More of a mm. point of view. I could see that. I mean, I kind of was trying to play like what I was thinking because we didn't establish like our relationship specifically. Like, who are these two guys? Right. I was almost trying to do. Um, a thing of like we are from two different worlds. Like uh-huh. you might be a business dude, and I might be a like right. more working class guy. Mm-hmm. But we are going to. We've been promising or talking about skinny dipping. Right. That's what I'm playing in my head. Like okay. we're two from two different worlds, but this is the thing that we've decided to do. Uh-huh. We're gonna do, we're gonna fucking do it. But we're slowly. That was what we were playing. Was like okay, I'm gonna do this thing, but you know. And I think if I would have had more of a character, I think it would have accomplish what you were trying to go for yeah maybe because we both we while we both can play the slowly undressing because we're embarrassed right we both shouldn't be playing the same energy of you know of like slowly undressing for the same reason you know what i mean does that make sense to anyone yes all right now we're going to take some questions from the audience either about the improvise what we just improvised or uh, about tim and his uh career Yes. When you're uh, improvising, how do you like to initiate? Like, do you kind of have stuff in the chamber, or do you go out there and specifically just hone in on your partner? 
In the chamber, as in like... Like uh, a, ca- a character... Uh, Gelman talks about having characters in the chamber and like being able to pull the trigger on either a character or something someone said to you that day, just having stuff loaded and ready before you go out on stage. Yeah, no, I can understand why he would teach that or say that because just if you're just starting out learning about, you know, learning how to perform, then you, you need to have something, you know. Um, so it's a good lesson to like sort of have characters or 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 um, viewpoints that you can express in any certain given situation like like the ladies man for instance just you know as a character is like a character that I can improvise at the drop of a hat because I know the character so well um, and when I was improvising back in the day you know like Sammy Davis Jr. was like one of the things that I'd go okay if the scene is going bad Sammy Davis Jr. will come out and save the scene <laughs> But, like, when we're doing, like, long-form things or, like, more experiment, I don't really think about, you know, um, I don't have anything in the chamber. Usually it's like, okay, he, he's doing that, so it's making me feel this, or I'm, I'm picturing this, so I'm going to try to get him to understand this is what I'm seeing. And then if he sort of gets it or, you know, you, you sort of both get the same idea, like, you know, at the same time or whatever, then you can sort of, like, play with it but like I, I very rarely do like in these kind of situations where I go into something with something in the chamber sometimes I will like on the road like for bigger shows only because I got <clears throat> there's people paying to come and see it so I always want the show to be good but sometimes I'll think like if I have a thought during the day like oh here's a, f- a funny opening line to a sketch would be this or it'd be fun to do a sketch within the you know a location or something uh, I might try it on stage but I don't ever tell Brad and Joe oh I'm going to do this thing tonight I just go oh if I do this Brad I think Brad will play with this idea um, and then hopefully like the, whatever suggestion we get from the audience you know you can like integrate it with the suggestion you know um, sometimes it doesn't work you know like I never force things on a suggestion but like if I got something that I've been thinking about and it fits the suggestion that we got, then yeah, I'll fucking do it. Does Jerry. that make sense too? I don't know if I'm it's okay. Cool. Jerry? Yeah, one thing I've always wondered when you're doing SNL, after a show is over, do you the following week uh, go back and critique it or take notes on it, or is it just it's gone and you start working on it? <laughs> yeah, it's gone. Basically, like they don't ever go back. Like we don't do like a Monday. There was never a Monday, you know, meeting. You know, Monday. What is it? Monday quarterbacking or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Once it's gone, it's gone. But like, if there's mistakes or whatever, then they they you learn from those mistakes. You know, um, you know. Even like I was saying about the cue card thing, that was something that I learned from Phil Hartman. You know, um, when I first got there, and he sort of like taught everybody how to work on that show, like. This is how you perform with cue cards, you know. Um, and so you would get those notes that would help be helpful, like, the next weeks ahead. Yeah. Like, w- another good note he gave me, like, for working on that show was, um, he said, always know your joke. So if you got, if even if you just, like, you know, you can do your lines and you're doing your lines and you got to be on cue cards here or whatever, you'd be on cue cards here. But, like, if you got a joke that is going to be funny, don't read it from a cue card fucking know it because if you know it the, it's going to kill mm-hmm. but if you are dependent on reading it 
chances are you're going to fuck up <laughs> reading it because you're expecting to get a big laugh, so you're like, you know, jumping out of your chair, and, and you'll end up blowing it. So that was another great thing that he taught me. How was working with Lauren? Were you afraid of him? Uh, I've met him a couple times, and mm-hmm. he he's, he's, seems very pretentious. Um, he's not at all pretentious. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I... I, I Admired him before I ever met him, uh-huh. so I was a fan of his uh-huh. before, um, and I enjoyed uh, watching, being able to like see his life mm-hmm. style and like the way he lived his life. Because I didn't, he was the, literally the richest person right. I'd ever met in my life. Right. I'm from Detroit, you know what right. I mean? I'm this going dude, to the Hamptons with Paul Simon. What <laughs> time? It was very funny. Like uh, he asked me, we were at, at the show, and he asked me. Um, uh, so, what are you going home for uh, Christmas? And I go, yeah, I'm gonna get on. The, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly to Chicago. And he goes, oh, well, how does that work? What do you buy a ticket? <laughs> I go, yeah, yeah, you buy a ticket. And he, this is how fun. He's a fucking comedian. He goes, oh, good. And then when you get your ticket, what do you do? And I go, oh, you go to the airport, and they take the ticket from you and let you on the plane. It was fucking hysterical. <laughs> and he did that run, like we were just in conversation, you know, like you would do with a buddy or whatever. Right. Yeah, he's really funny. But yeah, I mean, it, I was never intimidated, you know, I think, I was never intimidated by by him as much as um, I just tried to take in ed- anything that I could learn from him. You know, same thing with Dell. It's like, I, I don't need to be your friend. I just want, like, I want to learn whatever you, you know, can teach me. Uh, yeah. So, um, when you got the call to go up to SNL, was returning to improv kind of in the back of your mind at all? And how has it felt to return? It has, um, like when I went to SNL, I did improv. Like, I would come back every once in a while to Chicago because I was still, I've always, like, sort of lived here regardless. Um, but I would come, you know, and go and do Improv Olympic or do the set. But then after a certain point, I sort of stopped doing it. And then, um, you know, I like I was telling you earlier. Like, um, I went through. I got divorced, and it was very. It was a very you know traumatic and like rough period, and it lasted for you know for a couple of years. And I couldn't. I was fucking depressed. Like you know, you talk about hating yourself and being you know. Um, I was I was in a bad place, and um, Pasqua David Pasquazi. Mm-hmm. I was talking to him one day, and I was just telling him, like, you know, horrible, feel, you know, like I'm just in my apartment. I don't go out. I don't do anything. I don't talk to anybody. And he goes, you should, you know, don't don't withdraw. Like, people, we, we love you. People love you. Like, go see your friends from Improv, Olymp- at Improv Olympic. Or, and so I started going and doing um, the uh, Armando Diaz and... And, and I sucked. I was horrible because mm-hmm. I hadn't done improv in so long. I'd come out and try to do a joke. You know, I try to, you know, you could, you should have a snare drum following right. on stage. <laughs> and so, and then I, I started going to UCB and like. In New York. In, in, in LA mainly. Okay. And then, but whenever I would travel, I would do it in New York too. Right. But, um, yeah, I started doing it then and it, it was just like, it fucking brought me out of a huge depression because one, I was seeing all of my friends, people that I hadn't, you know, that we knew from Chicago uh-huh. and everything. And then the other thing was that I was realizing, like, oh, yeah, this is how I got to, you know, this is why SNL or anybody else was ever interested in me. 
was because I could do this, you know? And so it was like a, it was like a, like an acceptance of like, this is my art form. I'm not a painter. I'm not, I'm not a Shakespearean actor. I'm an improviser. And, you know, even though I say I don't have a lot of self-confidence, I always tell myself I'm, you know, I'm one of the best in the world. You know, I wouldn't be around for so long if I wasn't, you know, and, uh, I don't know. That's it. What do you get out of doing improv that you don't get doing from TV and film? Well, um, just knowing the, the risk of failure, um, that's one thing that you get that it can be rewarding and it can be devastating, you know. I mean, like, like when we were having that rough moment up here, right. you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy to watch, right? Right? <laughs> it's, not, it's uncomfortable. I'm trying to block it out. <laughs> Just denial. You'll, you'll, you'll cover that in your therapy. Yeah. Just denial. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it, yeah, it's uncomfortable to watch and stuff. But, like, there's something that's very thrilling and about watching somebody make something out of nothing. You know, and that's what happens every time. And like Dell even said one time, like, um, you know, improv is like fireworks. It's like it goes up and it's fucking amazing and it's spectacular and you get blown away by watching it and then it's gone. It's never, you never see it again, you know. Um, and that's, that's what I love about it. Well, and, and the other thing too is even at your level, you're, you, you, there's bad shows along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I th- along the way, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, go ahead. but I mean, it's not like you like for me, I think, OK, I, I do four or five really good shows and then, you know, I hit the, the then then they tank and then mm-hmm. they come up again. Mm-hmm. Do, do you experience the same thing? Yeah, I do. And I, I mean, I kind of feel like for me, too, it's like playing different shows and doing like doing a UCB uh, Upright Citizen Brigade uh-huh. ASCAT in New York is different from doing it in L.A. You know, it's like a different, even though it's the same thing of like finding the games and coming out with a strong opening, uh-huh. you know, introduction to a scene and those kind of things. The the rhythms of them, the rhythm, rhythms of the shows are different. And doing an I.O. show, you know, like doing an Armando or doing, you know, some kind of montage is different from doing those other kind of shows. So I feel like, you know, part of it is like, the the different rhythms rhythms and, and things can can sort of like throw you off if you aren't prepared for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've had times where I've done UCB shows where it got it was good, it was good every week, every week, better, better, better. Then I'd go do an Armando show, and I'd be out of my like, what's going on? You know, uh, like I I couldn't comprehend like, you know, like oh yeah, it's slower. You don't have to rush out with it. You can the editing is more important in Armando. You know, um, you don't have to edit. And I don't know if I'm saying stuff guys don't understand. I don't know, but you don't have to edit with an idea. You can edit because for editing's sake alone mm-hmm. with um, Armando, and with the UCB shows like you, you can edit for edit's sake. But it's better for the tempo of the show if you come out and edit with a scene idea. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Having, so be playing those shows like you find different rhythms and stuff and like there's been points where I go oh fuck I don't know what the fuck I'm doing this is like you know 
I'm bad or I'm not making the right choices. But then I realize, oh, you got to make the right choices within the framework of the show that you're doing. Right. And you got to make the bad choices to learn, don't you think? Yeah. You That's do. the hardest thing. I, the hardest thing is to learn in front of people, yeah. I think. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's it's not fun. I mean, I can see why people are afraid of speaking in public, you mm -hmm. know. But try try doing try being funny in public. Right. <laughs> with no idea what's coming, you know, with no idea in your head. Right. And then you have the added pressure. They're coming there to see you. Right. Yeah. You know, I hope I made you feel better. Did that help with the show? Um, how are you going to leave tonight? What are you going to do after the show? Um, I'm going to go back and watch um, the rest of football. Okay. Um, and then I have to get up to work out tomorrow. Okay. The trainer. The all right. Um, it's all a part of making myself feel better. Okay. Dichotomy. <laughs> <laughs> Right. It's a metaphor. I'm a I got it. I'm yeah, very complex. complex. <laughs> but you'll be fine mentally. You'll be fine. I'm great, yes. Okay. I'm fine. Okay. It, you know, the thing is, it's this very intimate thing. And mm -hmm. also, like, we haven't talked in a while. So, right. like, you know, I feel comfortable talking about things with you. Right. I love it when people come on and talk about, especially someone who's achieved so much success, that there is insecurity, there is fear. And I yeah. think, because I think people think, like, you work with Tina Fey. I think people think, oh, Tina Fey is an insecure, or Tina Fey doesn't have fear. But she's, everybody, everybody in this has it. You yeah, know? definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, like, one of the prevailing feelings that of everybody that I know in show business is that we're frauds. And right. Somebody's going to come along and take it away from us. Right. Because you just go, fuck, I don't, I don't deserve this, but... You know, whatever. I look at people that I work with that are way more successful than me, and I don't get it. I mean, not that I don't get it because of their talent, but, like, I don't understand how they become so huge. T tell me this. If you had to take a guess, mm -hmm. how do you think that they, they became so huge? I'll give you my theory, but I want to hear yours. My theory, well, of people that I know, yeah, I can attest to, like, the biggest, most successful people that I know, they all work really hard constantly. Okay. They're always creating projects. They're always they always got their foot in something. They fulfill all of the things that they do. They set goals. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're really like if they weren't big actors, they'd be running companies or right. you know, be. But that I think that's the one thing that they all have in common, and they're all really talented. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, and I would say Will, you know, Farrell and right. um, Sandler and Mike Myers and Carell and Colbert, all those. All those guys are it's the same thing. I my theory is on some level they think there's no question that they deserve it. Like mm. they there there's something about their consciousness that they feel like they're entitled to it. Not like in a in a like like in a weird way, but like they there's no like oh I, I'm going to be doing uh, the Colbert Report. I'm mm. going to be doing movies. I think mm. there's a. There's, you think so? Yeah. I disagree. Okay. Yeah. And, and tell me, what do you what do you think? No, I think you I th you're closer to it than I am. Well, I, I think I think a, a lot of it is probably like what I was describing too, which is like I think a lot of people get into this thing because they have low self esteem or uh -huh. they have lack self you know lack confidence in themselves or right. whatever. Um, but I think some people probably grow out of it mm -hmm. and are become much healthier. Right. You know. Um, but I think at the core. All those 
and I can't say, you know, this is just my opinion, so okay. what, what do I know? But I, I, at their core, I think all, all of them would say, one, they can't believe that they have the careers that they have. Okay. And two is that they never expected it <laughs> to be as, as the way it is. Um, but the thing that I'm amazed by is that they actually have adapted and made these huge businesses, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I go... I, I used to play one-on-one basketball with Adam Sandler mm-hmm. in New York, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's a fucking multi, multi-millionaire. He can buy and sell me tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the phone could ring, and he may have bought and sold me already. Tim Meadows, thank you so much for, for being our guest. I love you, Tim. I love you, too. Uh, we're on Facebook Improv Nerd, so uh, like us. I need you to like me. And uh, and is there an Uncle Brother show coming up? Oh, we we'll probably do something at I O uh, in December. Oh, so so look for that. Uh, they're great. Uh, Brad and Morris and Joe Canale. Joe and I'm they're... doing a bunch of stand up. Like I just do a bunch of open mics around the city. So if you are aware of open mics like around town, I'll probably be at one. Okay. I'm working on new material. Great. Next week is David Pasquese. We're really excited about that. And Emily, you can uh, hit the lights. Thank you so much, Emily, on the lights. That interview uh, with Tim just, just blew me away. The, the honesty and the humility and the vulnerability was just great. And I, I really love the Christopher Walken story about garlic and, and his Lauren Michaels uh, imitation was, was, really, was really hilarious. I just thought it was just really, really beautiful, especially uh, if you're starting out in improvisation or if you've been doing it for a long time. It's just nice to see that we all struggle with the same stuff. It doesn't matter how long we've done it. You know, the insecurities, the, the starting over, the, uh, you know, the fear, the I'm not good enough kind of stuff. So uh, I, I just want to thank Tim for, for that. It was just, just really, really uh, awesome. Uh, and that concludes this. It's another episode of Improv Nerd. And uh, I want to thank my producer, Ben Caprero. I want to thank Stage 773 here in Chicago. Go to Improv Nerd and like us on Facebook. Like us uh, because I need it for my self-esteem. Or JimmyCarain.com. Uh, until next time, this is Jimmy Corain saying thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Kyle Ayers. I'm the host of Never Seen It, the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies and TV shows they've never seen, and then we give them a read in studio. This is a clip I want to play for you guys from an episode where Langston Kerman rewrites Scarface. He's never seen it, but he wrote a script based on what he thinks he knows about it. And here's a clip. Give it a listen. All right. Scarface, the new frontier. Interior. Happening discotheque. Remember when we call clubs discotheques? <laughs> LOL. The 70s were crazy. Night. The crowd bustles with young, hot Mexicans who are supposed to be Cuban and all are dressed in butterfly collared shirts and pants that look like Jinko jeans and pleated khakis had a really weird baby. <laughs> There's sex in the air and Poppy wants a whiff. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs>
Scarface, 22 to 45. <laughs> like he's a television audience demographic? Devilishly handsome. Not even a little bit Italian looking, so get that out of your dumb brain. Walks through the crowd with the confidence of a man who's going on MTV Cribs with the Ying Yang Twins. <laughs> Does he actually have a scar on his face? Fuck no. Why would, he even, why would you even ask that? That's not important. What's important is that he is not at all a problematic stereotype <laughs> and that he has come for his cocaine. <laughs> As he approaches the red rope of the VIP, pronounced V-A-P-E in Spanish, <laughs> oh my God. he spots his dear friend who is almost certainly going to become his enemy by the end of the film, Smooth Skin. <laughs> Scarface yells out his signature line. <laughs> Ciao, Bella. It's me, Scarface. 